0: How are you? How you doing? I'm gonna get kind of close to the camera here. How are you? <laughs> How you feeling? Welcome, welcome to episode nine here. Episode nine from Pretender to Contender. We drop this volume out a little bit. Hope you're having a good uh, a good Tuesday. You're probably saying, uh, where's your co-host? Where's Mike Kunda? How many weeks was they saying Kunda before I realized it upset him? (laughs) It's Kunda. Mike Kunda is not with us. He's not with us this week, everybody. Uh, I'm solo. I'm solo. But I do have a great guest. I do have a guest. It's not just me alone let's uh let's fade this music out here welcome welcome to episode nine yes i did just say it uh, i'm i'm without a co-host um mike's busy mike's got a lot of stuff going on i guess the weather broke and those uh yo philly rocky film tours are taking off um new york city comedy is about to open up on April 2nd. Uh, I have my avails in to, let's see, how many clubs? I guess there's uh, Stand Up New York. There's the New York Comedy Club. There's the Comic Strip. And there's the Comedy Cellar. Uh, Looking forward to uh, doing stand-up again. Trying to come up with new material. Having no excuse, because I'll have uh, I'll have stage time. I'll be out there uh, building, building and building new material. That should be exciting. What else? What else is going on in my life uh, here on a Monday? On a Monday, I'm actually putting some uh, some interviews in the can, as they would say. Uh, I interviewed, uh, for today's podcast, we have a great guest, Paul Olinger. Uh you might know Paul. I had him on my old podcast a long time ago. He's my friend uh that used to work at Facebook and Yahoo very early on in the companies. So um he's very financially uh set and he's doing a podcast now called Crazy Money. He has a really uh he has a really interesting life story because he got into stand-up comedy. Uh, he was dabbling in it while he was a uh, he was a business guy, doing well, and it was what he always really wanted to do, even though uh, he was doing well at Facebook and Yahoo. And uh, he's going to tell us all about it today on the podcast. What what he really wanted to do, how he went from pretender to contender in in his life, um, and you should all also listen to his great podcast called Crazy Money write that down really good uh he just had LL Cool J on his podcast it's really great he's had Dr Drew and and a lot of other people doing great things so I, i'm excited to interview him but um well as i i already interviewed him it's in the can but it will be on today's episode uh so we got some great ones coming up i also interviewed um this guy Rich Redmond, who is the drummer for the country artist. Do you guys follow country? Do you guys know who Jason Al Aldean is? He's the uh, he's the drummer for them, and uh, he's awesome. He's a motivational speaker. He's an actor, and uh, and he's a drummer. Amazing drummer for Jason Al Aldean, and uh, he'll be on my podcast the following week. So I got all these different ones. Uh, all these different interesting people I'm trying to connect to the show that are people that went from pretender to contender in their life. Sorry, I'm looking down. I have a, I have a cheat sheet right here in front of me. See the see the cheat sheet. Uh haven't done a podcast just just alone, just me. And I think I've lost the muscle. I've lost the uh, the comfort. As as my hair is very high today. Everybody, you like that? You like that? Uh, decided to, decided to give it a little high look. (laughs) So, uh, what else did I want to talk to you about? Uh, if you're looking for some great shows to watch, uh, give you a couple of, uh, tips. As you know, I love Get Shorty. I'm up to the third season now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I have three more episodes to watch and then I'm done until season four comes out, which is until November of 2021. Uh, what I'm totally hooked on is uh, searching for Italy with Stanley Tucci. If you watch it, it's on CNN every Sunday night at nine o'clock. It's awesome. Uh, I missed half of last night's episode because I was watching uh, the Rutgers, the Rutgers uh, March Madness game, and uh, and they lost after having Jimmy Palumbo on last week. Great actor. I thought I gotta watch. Uh, I gotta watch Rutgers. I gotta. I gotta root for Rutgers. I mean my sister my sister went to Rutgers so I mean there is a connection I have two different friends that went to Rutgers and Rutgers is in New Jersey so I can root even though I'm a community college guy <laughs> Um so go check that out you can you can watch it on demand if you don't feel like uh trying to catch it live on Sundays at 9 on on CNN one of the best uh one of the best like travel slash food slash history of the place uh shows seems like a common genre now what else is going on in my life uh I guess I should tell you i'll tell I always tell the truth uh one of my wife's friends husband uh, who moved here from Green Bay Wisconsin when he got married to my wife's friend uh recently i guess they've been married about 4 years if i had to guess i could be wrong by a year he uh he had a he had a construction business back in green bay and uh he brought it to connecticut and he had to start from scratch which is pretty impressive and uh, he's doing a ton of business now and what he's telling me is during corona uh what a lot of people have been into is pimping out their backyards trying to get really uh Fun things to do in their backyards, from putting greens to um, bocce ball courts. Uh, I don't know what else they're, they're putting back there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Basketball courts, you know, swimming pools, whatever. Everybody wants to be outside now. And he said he's so busy, and he knew that I had an interest in um, construction and uh, house makeovers and all that. And uh, he asked me if I could give him some help. Cause he's really busy, and uh, I'm helping him. I'm helping him this week, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to find a way. After listening to my interviews on the uh, today, which is next week's episode, and then Paul Ollinger's is which is you know figuring out how to really love something and really you know do it from uh, that perspective, and to really um, commit to it. So uh, we're gonna be doing some heavy duty outdoor projects, and uh, he wants to film things. He wants to uh, bring up his social media uh, connection, and I, I told him I could help him with that, uh, especially with TikTok. I don't know if you've checked it out. Um, in the past, like two weeks, I've been kicking ass on on TikTok. I have one video. I guess it's called Going Viral. It's at 1.2 million views. One of my stand-up videos had uh, a couple other ones in the 500, 600,000 followers or uh, or um, not followers. Uh, I don't know what you call them. 53 clicks, uh, views. I guess you call them views. Go check them out if you don't follow me yet on on the great TikTok, everybody thinks you have to be young for TikTok. There's a ton of old people on TikTok. I just want to let you know, go check it out. Follow me on there at the Joe and uh, I'm already up to like thirty-three thousand followers. I've gotten, a, I've got like fifteen thousand new followers in the past couple of weeks, so it's going pretty good over there. Uh, what else I want to tell you? If you could look on the screen, I have my Venmo and my PayPal on the screen there. If you want to tip during these shows, uh, don't do the don't do the YouTube tip in that way. Don't do it that way. I I I don't know if I even get that money. I really don't. Go direct. Go direct. Go direct Venmo or PayPal. Uh, if you want to subscribe to Patreon, the show as you know is uh is crowd crowd funded. As are uh, my other creative projects that I'm working on. Writing something with Stacy Burek right now, which uh, we're writing a drama. We're writing a little drama. It's looking like it's going to be a web series, and uh, I could use I could use some money to put towards this project, or her, her and I could both use the money. I still have the GoFundMe out there. I'm going to put that back out. I kind of put that on hold. I'm going to kick it back in because it looks like it looks like her and I are going to make. We're going to make something, and I'm excited about that. So, uh, again, Venmo is at the Joe Matterese. My PayPal These are for people that might be listening to the podcast. PayPal.me forward slash Joe you uh, If you throw a tip for $10 or more, I will immediately send you a download of my new stand-up comedy album, which is called Completely Present, okay? All right, I think that's all I really wanted to say here at the top i'm uh I'm just gonna go right to this great interview with comedian slash podcaster like I said, his podcast is called crazy money he's uh he knows a lot about money because he's made a lot of money in his career uh, as i said, worked at Facebook and yahoo and and has stock in the company and uh one of my good friends. Let's uh, let's go right to the interview uh, with the great Paul Ollinger. We'll be right back. Well, hi, Paul. Hello, Joseph. How are you? I'm very well. How are you so, so uh, I, I mean. I want to interview you and take everybody from pretender to contender, and mm-hmm. we'll try to do like a Pulp Fiction esque kind of uh, interview where I let, we'll start at the end, which okay. is you're a stand up comedian now for how is many there a years? Part
1: where I'm getting I'm getting violated in a basement by Zed. If we're no. we go Pulp Fiction, there's the, <laughs> oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> That's the part I want to skip over. Let's spend the least amount of time where I'm in a gimp mask in a basement somewhere. (laughs) So uh, we'll start them
0: uh, where you're at now, which is you've had this pretty successful podcast going on. Mm. um for how long how many episodes and how long have you been doing the podcast and tell everybody the name of your podcast
1: the name of the podcast is crazy money i've been doing it for two years and i've just crossed 100 unique episodes i've i've replayed a few because they're Interview fi- their their interview style. They are not interview style. They're interviews. You just left. Where are you going? I'm here. Don't leave. Um, and so uh, we, what we talk about is the connection between money and happiness and work and meaning. And so a lot of the topics are are somewhat evergreen. So it's it's not like it's uh, news cycle related. Like I can't I can't replay something though. I just reposted an interview with the author Ryan Holiday who wrote the books Ego is the Enemy, Stillness is the Key, and others and he made a reference to a current to a recent political thing from 2 years ago. So I had to, you know, put a caveat in the, in the intro. Anyway, yeah, so been 2 years 100 episodes and I just had my 100th episode with LL Cool J. I was going to say you just had
0: LL Cool J on the show. Yeah. What 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 is the genesis of the podcast? What is it all
1: about? Well, you know my story. And your listeners have heard a brief description of it. So I, I worked. I for I grew up relatively middle class, one of six kids in a big Catholic family. I always wanted more stuff. I always wanted to be wealthy, and I I spent a lot uh, many years on the path to being wealthy, studying hard, getting an MBA, going to work in the digital media business, and then I worked at Facebook as an early employee, and I made a lot of money, and I quit my job because. I figured, well, I've, I've got enough money. Why do I need to work? And then I... Don't tell them the whole months, story
0: in two sentences. I just want to know.
1: Oh, well, that... so We want to
0: go. We want to get oh, okay. your whole well, story the, the, out. The, 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 the,
1: the idea was I had an experience in my life that made me realize that just making money, money is only a part of the overall puzzle of what we need to live a complete, whole, uh, meaningful life. And I didn't know that until I had that experience. And, and so I, I wanted to read all these books and find out you know why and, and, and how we can use money to, to, to live the kind of life we want to lead instead of living our life around the pursuit of money. And you interview
0: these people that are, I'm guessing, usually have a lot of money. Right. And and what is, what is it you'll try to find out from your guests on that podcast? Well, it's their mistakes having, with their money. They're, they're...
1: Sometimes it's but it's less about having um, a lot of money than it is about having a point of view around money. For example, I interviewed the Nobel Prize winning economist from Princeton, Sir Angus Deaton, who was the co-author of a study that. Uh, concluded that there are people who make more than seventy five thousand dollars a year don't experience additional happiness, more happiness than people that make seventy five thousand dollars a year. And so, what I think that speaks to is the fact that once you have a certain amount of money where you can pay your bills, and you know you can keep your car running and your life isn't chaos, that additional money is nice, but it doesn't make you uh, that much happier. Okay, but so it,
0: happiness started to did that. Did your podcast start off with trying to find out about happiness and money and how it overlapped and, or was it originally just about money and how people handled their money and the mistakes they made?
1: No, there's, there, you know, in the world of personal finance podcasting, when people talk about personal finance, they think about like Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman, and it's all about how to get out of debt, you know, how to, how to find the right credit card for you, which 401k is right for you. um, You know, what are, what are investment strategies for saving for college and things like that that's not what i'm particularly interested in um it's not about how to you know make a million bucks how to save a million uh, sorry how to make a million bucks how to invest and beat the market or how to save money by clipping coupons right it's about it's about understanding um about the role you want money to play in your life like you know do you want to do you want to try to be the wall street guy who's making two million bucks a year uh, and never sees his kids or do you want to be the guy that's the local um certified financial planner who works you know 50 hours a week and coaches his kids baseball team like it's those kinds of questions you know and those are two different strategies to living your life um, which result in two different kinds of uh, one is the fast track theoretically to money and um, uh, doesn't leave a lot for personal development and personal time. The other one is sort of the slower track and you can live a very nice lifestyle on either path, but you have to decide, do I want to take the slow path to making money or do I want to, you know, try to be a rock star, um, you know, uh, master of the universe? And what? And so I interviewed a guy uh, earlier this year named Daniel Markovitz who is one of the most incredibly intelligent people I've ever spoken to. And is, he's a law professor at Yale Law School. And he wrote a book called The Meritocracy Trap. And he talks about how um, in the old days, back in you know, like the 1800s, the, arist- the aristocracy made money by, by owning things like factories or farms, and other people applied their labor to them. So they got to be the, the, uh, the, the, the idle rich they sat back while their capital did the work and other people's labor combined to make them wealthy. Well, today, if you're a young smart person and you want to guarantee to make a lot of money, what do you do? You go to law school and you or you go you become a doctor or you get your MBA and you go to Wall Street. And each of these paths is a relatively predictable way to make a pretty good living if you're at the top of the top of the heap. However, the only way you make a lot of money is by by showing up at the office or putting your time in on, you know, before COVID, you know, traveling to create value for the clients. And that is time that you spend away from, uh, fishing with your kids, uh, taking trips with your wife, or, um, just spending time with your family. And so these are, these are trade-offs. And so what his argument as it related to the elite people, or the, the most, the, the most, um, high, high, the most high earning people today is that the way you're going to do that do that is a way that is going to trap you into a lifestyle that's that's going to make you freaking miserable.
0: Hmm. That sounds really <laughs>
1: interesting. I'm. It seems like it's been a hot
0: topic in the last maybe two or three years. Am I wrong to notice that all of a sudden it seemed like, and it was a few of the guys that I'm into that I share with you, like a, a Gary Vanderchuk is, mm-hmm. is 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 number one that they're they talk about money and then they talk about happiness and and how they're really you know pushing both angles and it seemed like before that you never heard people talking about being happy what what has changed what do you think is going on in the world why people are so uh much more into happiness even the television shows we watch like i'm addicted to this new show uh everybody's talking about it here especially the italians that cut my hair the uh stanley tucci show on cnn uh the italy show what is it called uh learning of italy or whatever and uh uh-huh. you see how happy everybody is and you seem to notice it more and it seems just what what, what well, has changed because I- you're a guy that grew up you know trying to make a lot of money basically if you go to business school where was anyone in your business school that you would meet were they interested in happiness
1: well, I think the school I went to, which is Dartmouth's Tuck School, was a, a place that people went because it was a very friendly collegial. It was very, it was very challenging academically, but it was a very. It is known because you're stuck up in the woods together. Uh, it is known as being a place where you have to be uh, very collegial, and that you that you are that you're committed to the school. You're committed to your classmates. Um, and, and so I, we, we might've had a bit more of that than you would have had at other more competitive schools, but you know, um, I, I think the discussion of happiness probably has to do with the amount of, uh, the, the, the number of discussions that are going on today. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, there were probably, I don't know, a couple thousand podcasts, maybe today there's 1.7 million. Right. And so. so there's a lot more discussion on every topic and and when i was thinking about well what would i what what do i have to add to any kind of any kind of conversation i just found myself at this point in my life where i was like okay i figured out the money part now what like but but why do i feel like i'm missing something like and, and so i wanted to add to a conversation that i didn't see being had or that i didn't hear going on I, when I looked at money podcasts, what you see are people talking about money and marriage, money and kids, money and travel. You don't see money and happiness that much. Um, there, there, there are plenty of people that talk about it and there's more of it. I think you see even in kind of the the the, the broader press guys like um, uh, hang on this, never mind, I'll, I'll mention him later, but uh, do you edit this by the way? I can. <laughs> wow. I'd love it not, not? i love to not but i i
0: do yes <laughs> sometimes
1: you don't have to but we can take this whole point out
0: why is this somebody Joe's a
1: nazi i'm just kidding um <laughs> uh <laughs> it's well, saint all... patrick's day
0: well you're also leaving out of the puzzle here because we still haven't gone from pretender to contender the <laughs> listeners and the viewers need to know that you also left the money field to go into stand-up comedy. and Well, I
1: left the field of making money. I wasn't in the finance business. I was working at Facebook. You tell me. Look, I'm your guest. You guide me, baby. I'm here. Okay. You ask me a question. I'm well, going to answer it.
0: Sure, sure, and you're doing great um, Thank you. because they should know that um, you basically stopped working at, at – we'll get there at, – at two big entities – to you know, go into what you really thought you loved that made you happier, which was performing and stand-up yeah. comedy. And then right. that evolved into the podcast. And what did you
1: tell me? What did you tell me seven years ago? What was your guidance to me?
0: Yeah, you know, so people should know. I was like, <laughs> I kind of mentored you, mentored you yeah. for about like three or four months. We were working together. Yeah. And I said, talk about what you know. And you know a lot about that stuff. I said, No, but what You're did gonna, you say I,
1: when I said, I'm going to get into comedy? What did you say? You said, quit now. <laughs> i also said comedians are gonna hate you
0: but that's because it's gonna be like that when you're ma- when people hate you that yeah. means it's good because right. they do- they don't want to co- i said they'd rather what did i say you'd be better off being hiv positive in comedy than being uh financially successful that the comedians yeah. hate well, guys that have money
1: well yeah no well it, uh oh. Being sick would give me, would create points of empathy, both with other comedians mm-hmm. and with, with audiences. But yeah, it is it is a stretch when you start talking about, oh, I had this experience. Look, any comedian, now that I've been in it again for six years, everybody resents the new comedian coming in, going like the, all the new, you know, comedy school graduations. It's like, oh, great. Here comes eight more people they are going to clog up the clubs. And, <laughs> you know, we're going to take spots away from people that have been in the business. Everybody resents that. Right. You know, and, and it's it, you resent the ones that are only mediocre, but you resent the good ones more because you're like, ah, oh, shit, that person's good. I have more competition. But okay, let's go back in time. Right. But, okay, so... But I, I want to go these- back in
0: time, but I do want to ask a question there, which yes. is... Yes, yes. Because you're doing a podcast and you're interviewing all these successful people. Mm-hmm. You don't do any video of your podcast. You do straight audio, don't you? Just straight audio, yeah. Yeah, because I think when you do straight audio, you probably don't get it as much. But if you were putting video... Up there, I bet you'd get trolls. Go, you know, basically like fuck these guys. Like people love to hate people. Oh my god! With, I had a woman money.
1: on. I had a woman on named Jennifer Risher a few, uh, probably a few months ago now, and she wrote a book called "We Need to Talk," a memoir about wealth, and it was all about how she and her husband made a lot of money as early employees at Amazon and Microsoft, and mm-hmm. um, and um, I think it was Microsoft. Yeah, it was Amazon and Microsoft, and and you know the comments i got when i published that on youtube were just you know she's trash blah 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 and she you know what a garbage human being for sh- sharing her point of view of making money and it's like there's so much hatred out there and resentment for anyone who's done well and to to try to talk about it in a reasonable way and say well what what should we want from life and it's it people would rather you yeah people would rather you be sick than be than be successful and happy
0: yeah so how how do you uh go about interviewing somebody to make sure that you're not turning people off because you have a guy like care. ll cool care. j
1: i don't care you don't i mean care. I'm, I'm gonna talk for, what's no, what's a I great mean, like, take
0: what was a great takeaway from the ll cool j episode
1: that he is a bad mo he's he's a bad motherfucker i mean like he's just you know at 16 years old when i'm sitting there going afraid to talk to girls look him in the eye. I've got braces and, you know, wearing my my older brother's ill-fitting hand-me-down Catholic school uniforms. LL Cool J is getting a record deal. He's out there making it happen at 16 years old. At 17 years old, he got his first single out there and he's ready to play on a world stage at 17. And he's been doing this for 36 years now, right? Mm. From 1985 to 2021. And he has reinvented himself along the way. And he has had the sense of self when the money came, when the success came, that he knew how to deal with it, how to bob and weave and change courses when he needed to, to go into acting. And now that he's more into business, he's also, a, he, I mean, he's still an actor, obviously, but, um, and, and a musical artist, but now he's, he's into business and he's using his fame and his credibility to do the things that he cares about and he's, he's got this business called rock the bells and in, in addition to many other businesses but it's rock the bells And it's all about celebrating hip-hop culture and the 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 dancers and graffiti artists and musicians that made it happen and he's using his credibility to do something of meaning as opposed to make as much money as possible not that he doesn't want to make money which he does he wants to continue to celebrate the culture that he contributed to helped build and contributed so much to him so for him, you know, like it's all about how do I lift everybody up with me? How do I, you know, he won the Kennedy Center. He was the first hip hop artist to be honored with the Kennedy Center Award. And he was talking about how when he was there, he was like, I felt like I was representing everybody, like I was lifting up this culture. And that, I think, was really badass. But but I think that, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I have have been interested in exploring is what happens after you you succeed in in quotation marks like if somebody wins a lottery for example right so on a th- they buy a ticket on a thursday and by the next monday they're worth 10 or 20 or 40 million dollars right well what happens to them their world blows up they you know lose their marriage they you know somebody gets murdered near them or whatever and and so and and you know their life explodes that, that's that's the cliche right and it, and it's a cliche because it's true it happens a lot because when you make a lot of money, you're in this whole new world and your your sense of reality is blown up. Well when people make a lot of money in the business world, they have more time to develop to, to build up to it. and but it still changes your life. and at a certain point, you know, if you have a lot of money and you're not really if you're if you're not clear about what you want from life, if you're not clear about what you want from your job, someday your boss is going to say to you, hey, I want you to, fill in the blank, go see customers in Buffalo. And you're gonna be like, fuck this noise. I've got too much money to, to, to do what I don't wanna do. I'm too right. rich to, to do that. And you're gonna, and, and, and money is actually going to corrupt your thinking as opposed to empower you to, to be able to say, oh, you know what? This job is an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. I like the people I work with. I like that it gives me a sense of purpose and identity and challenges. I'm learning every day. And yeah, the money, I don't necessarily need the money, but it adds, but, but, but work is about more than money. And I didn't know that until I quit and I was by myself in my house going, well, what should I do today? Because I'd walked away from my very smart colleagues, I'd walked away from all my responsibility, and I'd walked away from the office politics, which drove me crazy, but I didn't know that I was getting more than a paycheck out of work. And then a couple of months after you leave your job, somebody asks you, what do you, do? what do you do? And you're, and so, so I literally had this happen and I just blew the punchline. So if you want to edit that out, then you, this will be a better punchline. <laughs> there was a punchline. So my, There's a joke. There is a punchline. What's I've the joke to the story? So my wife and I, this is probably nine months after I leave Facebook. My wife and I go to dinner with this other couple who are parents. We, we just met them. They're parents at my kid's school. Mm-hmm. and their son is in my daughter's class we say well let's go to let's go get tacos one night so we do it and I'm talking to this dad and I said I knew he's a doctor so I said well what kind of medicine do you practice and he said well I'm a um, pediatric oncologist and neurosurgeon and um, I'm at at name of prestigious hospital here in town and he said and I'm doing research that uses nanofibers to help spread to help the uses nanofibers to help slow the spread of cancer in the brains of infants. What do you do? This is true. It's 100% true. <laughs> yeah. 100% I couldn't write that. I'm not that good a writer. I can write <laughs> jokes about Pornhub and stuff like that. This is too smart. He literally said that to me and I was like, "I I I I'm a blogger? I don't know. I don't know what I am." <laughs> And so anyway, this is one of these things that happens when you like bail on your gig and you don't have a plan. So anyway, that was.
0: Uh, I got you. So, so I guess in, in 20 minutes, if we can take everybody from what took you from being the pretender and now you feeling like, and and I'm sure this is what's great about podcasting. And I feel like your podcast is similar to mine, which is you learn I can't get
1: the software to work is that how it is no
0: you learn <laughs> like your podcast about money and interviewing people and mixing happiness makes you focus on it a little more and and realize oh if th- this is what they're doing and i should apply that to my life more right so
1: well well i mean w- what happens is you end up seeing a lot of a lot of consistent themes yeah and so, you know, and I can talk about it if you want, or we can take a step well, back and figure out how we got from Pretender to Contender.
0: Well, I wanted to say that when I started doing Pretender to Contender and you're only episode nine, this is just that's nine. Oh, that's wow. like nothing. I, I did an, a show for six years where I think I did like three hundred and fifty episodes. Yeah. Um, But what I'm feeling already and it's amazing in the pa- just in the past two weeks, I started focusing on what do I like to do and weeding out the things that I don't like to do. And and I mean, career-wise, mu- you know that they pay money and f- f- focusing on those things. And it was amazing how much happier I started feeling. And it's not like I, I didn't book any sort of jobs, but I just started trying to book jobs and what I really want to do. And I was like, oh my God, this makes me feel better. Yeah. And... Have you
1: found that, have you found, I found this, this weird thing in COVID is that I have been far less stressed in the last year on, from a, from a comedy perspective, definitely, because, because I'm not sitting there worried about what gig I didn't get and who, what other comic did get a gig. You know, my FOMO has been at zero because I feel like everybody is, you know, the clubs that are open are open at maybe half speed and not necessarily. I mean, they're in weird markets and they're not selling a lot of tickets until recently. And now I'm feeling like, all right, it's time to get busy. I'm getting my shot next week. But but like for the last year, I really haven't stressed about like, I got to be, I got to try to get myself booked. I got to blah, blah, blah. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I feel like I'm not missing out because, you know, everything's closed in New York City, which was the second best market for me after my home city of Atlanta. Right. And everything's closed in L.A. Of course, I was just getting to the point where I was getting booked on the road and then everything shut down. But, you know, what are you going to do after a certain period of time?
0: Right. But is there a transformation in your your life story or where you start and where you are now where maybe you weren't like that always, where you were a different way and you were like pretending and now you feel like you're being more of what you really are, are... passionate about was there well
1: okay so let's go let's go back then because i think that you could you could look at this a lot of different ways all right so i was i was i i told jokes the first time i ever told jokes was in business school i I hosted a talent show you know i went to business school because i wanted to get a good job and make a lot more money and i never expected to find uh, to, to get bitten by the comedy bug at business school but i told jokes in front of a crowd and i murdered and i was like oh i'm a comedian that's what i am And, but I had $80,000 in student loans back in 1997, which would be like $130,000 today. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be a comedian for a long time. So I went to work in the digital media business early in, like in 1997, I went to work for a music website called launch.com. That became, we, we got, we went public, we crashed, Yahoo bought us. Then I worked at Yahoo for four years. And while I was at Yahoo, the stock rose a lot and I was able to pay off my student loans. And after that, I was like, okay, I've always wanted to be a comedian. I've been doing open mics. I had taken a comedy class. You don't like, have to talk won't. super fast. Just saying. Well, I'm trying to get it in because I know I'm trying to tell the story. All right. Got it. And then on Tuesday, I had a latte. No. So, okay. So, so, so I basically, you said, you said earlier, I quit the corporate world twice for comedy. And I did. So I left Yahoo and I went and I started telling, I started working out in LA at the improvs in Orange County. Every every weekend hosting out there, I had a great gig. And does, after, does
0: comedy get you a job? Like, is there anything in business where like you were using that skill of being funny and you felt like absolutely. it got you hired? Sales,
1: sales. No, comedy is sales and comedy are very closely related. I think sales is performance to some degree. Mm-hmm. It's it's, per, it's there's getting the meeting is a lot like getting yourself booked. So you got to call a lot of people. You got to you get ignored a lot. You know, a few people don't call you back. You know, they don't return your emails. And so getting the meeting is a lot like getting booked when you're not known. Um, and then once you get the meeting, you go in and you, you're in front of a group of people. And they're like, you have an hour. What you, Make us laugh. Make us feel something. You know, make us want to buy your product. Right. And that was really fun. Actually, that was, you know, before I was even doing comedy, I would go in and I would try to involve uh a group of people like i'd be in i'd I'd be in front of the hbo uh team at bbdo advertising their 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 media buying team and i'd I'd be trying to sell the music website and i'd ask the team like what 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 was the song that you got your first kiss to or something like that you know like to try to bring them in to get them thinking about music and the emotions around music and tie them into the product that i sell Oh, now that we're talking about music, have you heard this song? Blah, blah, blah. Well, here's what we do at Launch.com. And you bring them into the meeting and you're and you're performing. You're telling jokes. You're making them laugh. You're making them like you because in the end, they can buy from, you know, say they can buy from 50 different people. They can put their advertising on ABC, NBC, outdoor, magazines, blah, blah, blah. They're going to put... A lot of different people on a media plan. And what you the people they put on there are the people, one, they have to buy, and secondly, the people they like. That's how it works. Right. And so I wanted to leave that room having them like me. And you take them out to dinner and you build a relationship and you're not going to screw them over and all that stuff. That's important, too. You're not going to make them look bad in front of their clients. You're not going to make them look bad in front of their bosses. All that stuff is important. But, yeah, there's a there's a lot of comedy and performance that goes into the sales function.
0: That explains, if you remember, a few years ago, pre-COVID, I got a gig doing comedy at, uh, um, not NYU. um, Why am I forgetting? It's so pathetic. What's the school on the, uh, Columbia. Columbia.
1: Columbia. (laughs) Where your wife works and you couldn't remember the name of the school.
0: I know. Well, she works at the medical center, not the university. Columbia Columbia, um, Business School yeah hired me to do comedy there and they had students that they wanted me to teach like maybe i think we had three classes and then they put on a graduation and i like hosted it yeah and all of them were fucking hilarious and i was like this explains how close business and comedy are together because these it's you got to have a personality to be a good business person you can't be like a like a dud, I guess you can nowadays because it's all over yeah. the internet. But if you're bad yeah, on think, a Zoom I mean, call, you're fucked, right?
1: Well, I, you know, uh, building rapport is a uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's far more easily done in person than it is done over the over the over over the the computer over Zoom, over right. web conferencing, whatever. And I don't. I mean, I feel for people trying to conduct their lives over Zoom. I mean, I've done twenty-five Zoom comedy shows, and they're terrible. Well, you should no, be doing... I've got the, two coming up in the next 10 days. You should be
0: doing the business ones like I did, where it's business people and... Uh, oh, I'm cause, doing it.
1: Because
0: they need, though. They need to hang out. I mean, it's going to end... Uh, I feel like it's going to end soon. I don't know. I have mean, had one shot I think so. also. I think so so. so. so you're in business school. So what's the next step to your to your pretender to contender story? Well,
1: I, so what I was going to say is, you know, like... I, um, You know, pretender could mean... I was, I was sincerely involved in I was sincerely committed to my jobs. I worked hard. I did well. Did and you ever feel like of,
0: a pretender as a business person where you're yes. like, not, these so guys are way better than
1: me? No, not like they were better than me. I think it comes down, you know, when I, when I, when I, I so after two years of doing comedy in LA, I got engaged and I was like, geez, I don't know if this, like, you know, if I'm going to be able to be a provider for my family by doing comedy, certainly not what I where I was before. And they're like, look, it's a 10-year road. You're not going to know for, seven years whether or not you're going to be good or not and I was like are you kidding me so I went back to work and I got a job at Facebook as an early employee at Facebook
0: just so you know you know comedians don't ever think like that
1: well they, well, they yeah, won't get a lot of them revealed. you hear
0: these guys I don't want to get engaged until I'm financially good and then the next thing you know, these guys are 50 and they're still single. And you're like, well, right. what's going on?
1: Well, I, you know, I mean, and I've heard comedians talk about how, you know, I'd be a better comedian if I'd had a worse home life. But I had a very stable home life and I've had a pretty stable adulthood. Um, I've just had this comedy bug that has continued to pull me away from 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 very stable, incredibly lucrative corporate jobs. So you know, after a few years at Facebook, I just didn't, I think, you know, you talk about pretender, it doesn't just necessarily mean that you're an amateur. It means that you're not feeling what you're doing every single day. And I think that that's, that's the hardest part about having a real deep passion that, that isn't in line with your, with your corporate gig. And I think a lot of people, most people probably have that, you know, if you ask them, what would you rather be doing? They'd tell you right away because they know, and they count the hours until five o'clock at night, and they count the, the the years until they can retire. And I I didn't like feeling that way. And when you when I got a certain amount of money, I just bailed on work. And I, I mean, I almost I I was trying to explain to my 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 coach there, my my executive coach was was like saying, I just want to be me. I just want to get paid for being me. And I couldn't put it. And that that sounds egotistical, but I I promise you, it's not. It's it is. I want to. I want to live authentically every day. That's right. what I was trying to say. So and how so,
0: how are you successful if you didn't have that passionate feeling about working at these companies? How did you do well? I if did you wanted well to leave. because
1: I, did, I I still cared about my job. I cared about my business. I just mm-hmm. didn't feel. I didn't feel. And the older I got, and the more and the, the higher I rose, I got promoted twice at Facebook. And the higher I rose, the more I had to be in. I had to. Act and be in line with the corporate, you know, uh, um, messaging and all that stuff. the 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 more I felt at conflict with being myself every day at work, and I, I, at a certain point, I just was like, I'm, I'm not feeling it. My heart's not in it. I'm leaving. And that was a very expensive decision to make. But um, I didn't know. I didn't have any idea how expensive it was until several years later. But did friends but I, and
0: family think you were crazy?
1: They've always thought I was crazy when I was making rash decisions like this. And and in the end, sometimes they're right and sometimes they're not right. But but let's talk about pretending. So the big mistake, if I could change one thing about the way I left Facebook, it, it wouldn't be that I left Facebook. It would be how I left Facebook. And the way I left it was without a plan. Because I knew in my heart that I really wanted to you know, be a comedian again, but I didn't have the guts to admit it. And... I I just goofed off for basically two years, and then I really started trying to go back. And I was I started going back to open mics here in Atlanta, where I didn't know anybody, I didn't have relationships, and I went to a few. They went okay, and then I went to one on like a Tuesday night at a bar, and I bombed so bad that that night I went home and I started looking for a job again. And I literally got another job uh, as the president of a small software company, and I, I worked there for a year, Joe, a year. Wow. And I was like, What year Finally, is I was like that was in 2013. And then, and then I finally was like, you know what? I'm not like, I can't do something I don't care about. Like I have to go do something I care about. It was a, conveniently, the company was a bust anyway. So it wasn't, if, if it had been successful, I probably would have been like, oh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because the company's going in the right direction. But no. And so I was like, all right, I have to do comedy. I have to write. I'm going to quit. I don't know how I'm going to, st- I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to just start going back to the open mics. And you didn't think
0: I can do comedy along with this job that pays really well? No, no,
1: no. I didn't. First of all, I was traveling a bunch. And secondly, my heart wasn't in that. It was definitely not in that job. Right. And so um, and partially because the the, the product was was technically a joke and the business model, which looked decent at first, fell apart very, very quickly. But that that isn't. Here or there, the the important part was that I left going. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try to figure it out. And that was six years ago in October, this past October. And so in those years, I was just like, all right, I'm starting all over at whatever I was. 45. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a beginner all over again. And it man, it was. This is the beginning of turning pretender back into contender. Um I think it's actually I was a contender, then I was a pretender, and and <laughs> wait, yeah, and now I'm working on becoming a contender again. Like life's not a straight line, and I think that's a, that's a myth that people think. Very is that, true. What happened to Rocky after he retired? You know, like he's got to reinvent himself. You know, I talked to I, I've interviewed Apollo Ono, the 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 world's most decorated, I believe, he's the world's most decorated Winter Olympian, and I talked to uh, Rich Beam, who won the PGA Championship. Uh, that he was the winner of the PGA Championship back in 2002 and I'm both of these guys I'm like what happens to an athlete after the spotlight fades like what do you do because at that point you know you're you're past your glory days you're you're past the most exhilarating parts of your career what do you do then and so those guys have to reinvent themselves too they go from pretender become the contender if they ever get there, right? For every PGA right. champion, there's five thousand people that made the tour that never got a chance to win, and 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 then there and then that fades, and then they got to reinvent themselves. Interesting. Well,
0: just... well, it's like you you had said like, what's this common thing that comes up in your podcast a lot? I would tell you one of the most common things that I'm realizing only nine episodes in is to become that contender. You at some point you have to just start. You have to, like, what do people always tell people? Oh, when people come up and say, I want to be a comedian, you always go, well, then you just got to go and start. And you're making me realize that why I'm happy again is I got to contender as a stand-up comedian. And then it kind of, it got to, it felt as high as it was going to go. And then it started to come down. And then this re-invent thing just happened recently where... I started really wanting to work on the acting thing, and I realized, and that was something that was I felt really passionate about. And I went, I'm going to go try. And I that's got, a, I got a voiceover, a really good voiceover agent. I'm putting, th- you know, and, and then all of a sudden, I started. You do have a lovely,
1: you do have a lovely voice.
0: Thank you. I but I started to feel this, just yeah, that that feeling. There's a feeling that comes into your body when you start something new that feels right, I, and then you just keep. That's going. That's
1: right. That's right. It, it's it's about commitment. Like it's about commitment with with a, a, no expectation of reward. Like, yeah, like you can't care about the money for. You're going to do this part. thing because you care about it. And and you're going I wrote this article on Medium last week and it was basically I think it was called something like what Malcolm Gladwell forgot to mention. Right? And that's <laughs> What was that about? Basically it's you can put it the He in wrote 10, the tipping point everybody if you don't. Right, know. and he has this rule that you know if you want to be, you know, Great a podcast of any craft. Too. Yeah, he's he's great. Malcolm's Malcolm's a, a brilliant person. I love his writing. But he and and you know I I know he's I know I'm using I'm taking liberties with his notion of the ten thousand hour rule, which is you know if you put in ten thousand it takes ten thousand hours to be a master at something, right? Well, my point was you can put in the ten thousand hours and still suck. So you better enjoy what it is that you're doing, otherwise, you know you're wasting your life. Because if you're putting in 10,000 hours to be a great comedian, 99.999% chance that you're not going to make any money, that nobody's going to ever hear your jokes and that, you know, you will be sorely disappointed with the level of success you're going to have. And so you better be doing it because you love doing it. You better be doing it because you like being around other comedians. You better be doing it because you like to write and you get some kind of satisfaction out of it because otherwise that's all you can that's all you get that's all that's guaranteed is the ability to sweat and pour your blood into something and if you don't genuinely feel that in your soul you're doing the wrong thing you are pretending wow he nailed it
0: fucking rocky music came on in that last That's like the heart out of the, of the interview. So, so where can they get your podcast? Where can they, uh, you know, you should do some video at least do some short little I know. I
1: know. I've been lectured recently that I need to be doing video. You got and, that kick-ass camera. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, um, I, uh, you can find my podcast, you can search crazy money podcast on the uh-huh. Google or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're pretty much there. And, uh, Let's see who's uh, who. I've I've had some amazing guests recently. I know you had Doctor Drew on there. Doctor Drew was one of my early guests. I had his uh, uh, Ron Lieber from the New York Times, Paul Sullivan from the New York Times. I've had I've had incredible, incredible writers, authors. But no one
0: connected to any of the Rocky movies has ever been interviewed.
1: As far as I know... You got to get Carl
0: have... Weathers or, or uh, Mr. Oh, T nice. on there. That'd be great. It'd I be a good interview. Mr. T, what do you think he... You think
1: he's rich? That's a good one. Mr. T?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I I don't... I mean, if you're looking just pure finances, probably not rich, but, you know, I mean, he's probably doing uh, those... Appearances. Confer- yeah, he's doing personal appearances, which, boy, that's a tough way to make a living. Um, <sighs> No, I, I don't mean that. I, I mean that... Sincerely. I mean, like, um, you remember Tom, you know, Tom Wilson, the, the comedian yes. who was in back to the future. Yes. Yes. Played yes. And back to it's the, got Future. got that
0: great. My old listeners used to make fun of me because I used to play that song. he has a really funny song about, uh, questions. Cause and it's all the questions. Yeah, everybody exactly says right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. What was to play it the play at the like? end of every episode? You
1: know? <laughs> right. No. So he's, he, he told me, uh, he was like, you know, I did some of those appearances, sign in those headshots next between like Doc from the Love Boat and somebody else. And he's like, I don't. He's like, I don't ever want to have to do this again. He's like, I'll go. I'll go to Home Depot. I'll work at Home Depot. I don't ever want to do this again. I hope I'm not speaking out of school because he didn't say that on stage. But I was. He was a real gentleman every time I worked with him, and I, I enjoyed getting to know him a tiny bit. Funny but dude. I was like, yeah, I think that would be weird to try to monetize celebrity from like 30 years ago. But that's what I'm talking about. It that's exists. like, that's what but I want. But if you hate it, know.
0: just you got to get
1: out and you got to start. You got to find not... something new and try. That's right. It. But so, so what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying, is like, don't, don't be jealous. Don't, don't be envious of anybody else's situation in life. You, you'd be like, boy, that gopher from the Love Boat had it made. It's like, really, for like seven seasons. What's he doing now? You know, like, the I think actually now. he became a politician. Yeah, he he's was a, a politician in California. Okay, well, there's, there, so there's somebody that, that actually did something really interesting afterwards. We should but worry you know more about
0: Ted Lange, the guy that was the bartender on the love boat. We should worry
1: about him. You
0: remember Washington. my old joke about name? him?
1: Washington. What was his name?
0: His name was, uh, God,
1: careful isaac isaac, isaac the bartender
0: and he used to do the finger points he would go yeah i used to do a joke about him i said the saddest thing is he's a real bartender now and he uses the love boat as a job reference on his bartending <laughs> oh resume go, but that's the
1: thing <laughs> that's the thing that's what i'm talking about you know this pretender to contender man life's not a straight line dude it's not a straight line i mean right. if i played my career perfectly i'd be the president of twitter or some shit like that right now right yeah. or i'd be or 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 i'd be making millions as a venture capitalist or something but like other things work their way into my head and so don't think that once you win the championship in philadelphia like your life is going to be perfect from that point on
0: that's right all Crazy right guys Money
1: podcast thank you for checking it out
0: yes go check it out and uh i thank you paul for doing the uh we can chat for a second after i hit finish but uh We'll be right back with uh, Mike and I giving our little uh, takeaway at the end of this episode. So don't go away. Thanks, Paul.
1: Later. Thank you, Joseph.
0: Well, I hope you guys, uh, I hope you like Paul. He's a really, really great guy. One of the rare guys I know that did really well financially and is, is still a great guy. know a couple guys like that some people just don't like people that did well financially i I think that's ridiculous uh paul's an awesome guy great family man and a smart business person and i I admire that man i I look up to it so uh go check his podcast out crazy crazy money just crazy not too crazy crazy money and what i take away As I looked down, and took some notes. What did I take away from that podcast? What did you take away from it? Um, My takeaway, I liked what Paul said where he said, life isn't a straight line. It's a good one, right? Life isn't a straight line. It goes all over the place. It's all right to uh, have your career move and alter and, and change, and then all of a sudden you get focused on some other things. Who knows? Maybe uh, after this week, working with—I uh, guess you could call him my friend—he's my wife's, uh, my wife's friend's husband—we working with him on some of these pretty elaborate outdoor projects, and uh, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll have a knack for it. Maybe I'll be really good at putting putting, putting greens in. <laughs> Laying down uh, really expensive porcelain stone. Have you heard of that? He just told me about it. People are getting rid of bluestone and going with porcelain. It's like a, a better version of just regular stone. It's harder. It's stronger. I think it lasts forever, basically. I'll have a lot to uh, report next week as I'll be uh, busting my ass this week doing some hard labor outside. At least it's like 60 degrees here on the, in the Northeast. Well, come on, music, start up again There we go So yes, life is not a straight line So don't be afraid to veer here and there Everybody thinks that you just gotta go like this Nah, you could kinda go like this You can work on a lot of different projects As long as you're passionate about them Make sure it's something you love And I, I love doing something where you go That doesn't sound like something you love But turning it into something that I love Okay so I'm going to be filming stuff. Who knows? By the end of the week, I might have a new show pitch. And that's the way uh, I connect them. I connect things to creative, uh, my creative life. You could do that too. Sometimes you get a job and you're like, this fucking job sucks. But there, there's ways that you can make yourself like that job. Even if it's something that you think doesn't really connect to your true interest. There's a way, man. you got to have that emotional connection to it. I don't know why I'm doing this. Mike's not here. Mike's not here, but I'm still doing it. So uh, that's what I'll be doing this week, and I hope uh, I hope you took a lot away from this podcast. All right, everybody. I'm here alone. We might have Mike next week. You never know. We might not. I don't know what the I don't know what the I don't know what the promise. I don't know. I don't know his schedule. All right, guys. But you guys have a great week. Because I am rambling. See ya crack the music that'll make it sound like an ending all right guys that's the ending keep punching everybody can you hear me over the music keep